What's up? You made it. You made it to the Broken Light Show. My name is Dave Mantell. This is my show, my podcast. This thing that you're listening to uh, is a thing that I do. And, uh, you know, and some other people, too. Today we've got a really great show featuring my friend and uh, eternal tour person, uh, Kevin Schlereth. If you're not familiar with Kevin, you should be, and you will be by the end of this episode. Um, he's a really cool dude, plays post-folk uh, sort of rock and roll acoustic music, and he uh, lives in a van and tours, you know, 275 days out of the year with his family, Jess and uh, the kids, and they're really cool people, and they have stayed at my house um, several times in my life, and we've spent weekends together, and he's a really cool dude, and so he's going to be on, and we're going to talk about what it's like to be on tour all the time. And what it's like to be a legend and, you know, maybe what it's like to not be a legend but be confused as a a legend. His album is called Legend. I'm going to play a little bit from it for you guys in just a little bit. I think it's really interesting. um, Well, before we get started, I I don't know if you noticed. If it's your first time listening, you probably didn't notice. But if you've been listening for a little bit, even just maybe once, you noticed that the intro music was a little weird. And uh, to be honest, I'm not sure what the deal is. I tried uploading that clip uh, several times. And I think somewhere along the way, um, the uh, sample rate of this session that I'm in in Logic got changed. (laughs) So everything sounds really fast. So I don't know how that's going to work out in uh, a few minutes when I try and upload some more audio to this episode, but we'll find out together. Maybe everything will just sound like chipmunks and this will be the chipmunk episode. Who knows? Um, Well, you probably know by now if this sounds like a chipmunk or not, that should give you a good indication of what is going on. Uh, Anyway... Let's get to the topic of the day. I want to kind of talk about, this is a conversation I was having with a friend of mine, and uh, I think it's relevant, and and I just want to see what you guys think, Um, and then we can get to Kevin and talking about the legend. Um, So we were talking about video games, of all things, which is a topic we haven't uh, covered on the show for a little bit, and so I wanted to include all of you video gamers and um, you know, designers and developers and stuff that listen to the show. I know there's a couple of you, so um, I'm not just, you know, talking out of my butt here. Because um, I want to include you guys because I think it's a valid art form and medium and, uh, you know, not always as as I'm about to discuss. We were talking about uh, kids. So we, it happened because we were watching <laughs> we were watching some playthroughs of some really awful games from our childhood um, specifically Battletoads on uh, the Nintendo. I think it might have been on Sega as well. It was on both platforms. But Battletoads is like, like I never got past the first level really when I played Battletoads because it is so incredibly hard. And you think it's kind of like the Ninja Turtles game, which is kind of like a beat 'em up, you know, like from like top down, like almost three quarters down, um, kind of beat 'em up thing. And uh, it turns out, watching this playthrough, that it is not actually a beat-em-up game. It's just the first level. The rest of it is kind of like like puzzle solving and stuff. But it's just incredibly difficult and hard. And So we were watching this uh, playthrough. And we were talking about games. We were talking about um, like kids growing up now and their gaming experience. Because, you know, we grew up, uh, like I'm 25, and so I grew up, um, I never... 
I didn't own any of these systems growing up because my, my parents wouldn't let me own video games, but I would go to my friend's house and play Super Nintendo and play Sega Genesis. And, um, you know, my first, my first experience with video games, I think was when I really, I like went to somebody's house and they had, um, Duck Hunt and Mario on the NES. And I'd like clearly remember how amazing that experience was for me, um, to like, I don't know, just, just be able to, to witness something like that, which like in hindsight is like, yeah, that was like groundbreaking or whatever for, for the time. And, um, so, you know, growing up and playing these things and, and we were talking about how, um, kids, I, I don't think that kids today growing up really have any idea of what actual gaming is because they're marketed something that is so insane to me, um, which is like a, like a pay to play kind of mentality, which is, and it, it's not just, you know, you say that and you think like, like mobile games is like the, the the largest offender by far where you get you download a game um like uh clash of clans or you know something like that game of war i see those advertisements everywhere and they gross me out but anyway any game like that you know uh you're gonna buy in the app store you're gonna you're not gonna buy it you're gonna get it for free and you'll be like yes i can play this game for free and then it's gonna be like yep you can play this game for free you're gonna build a little uh castle and it's going to take five days for it to build or, you know, instead of waiting that five days for you to do nothing, uh, you can pay um, to get these gems and you'll, you'll pay, you know, $15 to get some gems and then you'll be able to build your, your castle now. And then uh, when your gems run out, you can just buy some more and, and then that'll help you play the game sort of like at a, an enjoyable rate. But before you know it, you've sunk, you know, I... I was reading when I was playing some of these games or, you know, just like researching people will spend like hundreds, like I'm not even joking up to thousands of dollars on some of these games. That's why, you know, Farmville is, was so huge when it happened and it like that became the model for so many other games was they like put out this free app and then created a way for them to get revenue for you to play it like an actual game um, and people were singing hundreds and thousands of dollars. Kids, you know, were using their parents' money to sing hundreds and thousands of dollars into these things to actually have an enjoyable experience. And that is like normal now. That's the normal way for people to experience games, even to the point where, um, you know, uh, mainstream AAA titles on you know, the Xbox and PlayStation and what have you, um, those games, uh, so like I remember um, when I was living uh, in Wisconsin, uh, my roommate had an Xbox and um, Black Ops, Call of Duty Black Ops 2 came out and we had we had bought the, uh, the original one and we would play the zombie mode on that after work sometimes with our friends and that was fun and we were like, oh man, the new one's coming out, that's pretty cool, it'll have zombies and Maybe we can play that together too. And, you know, we bought the the first one for like $15 or something like that. And the new one came out and it was like $60, which is like huge. And I was like, if you want to buy that, you can. So we rented it first, which is crazy to think that renting games is still a thing that you could do, but you can. So we rented it from Redbox just to see, you know, what it was like. And then we learned, which is good because, you know, that he didn't spend $60 in the game that you get 
part of the game at launch you get you know especially when it comes to the multiplayer stuff so the 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 single player is like pretty much all there but nobody buys you know a call of duty to play the the one player stuff you're gonna buy it so you can play with your friends so you buy the game for sixty dollars then they're like hey surprise you're gonna get you know a handful of ways to play this a handful of maps and stuff but um what we didn't tell you is that the rest of the maps and most of the the zombie stuff, which is what we were playing, that's going to cost you. You're going to have to buy what they call a season pass. And the season pass is another $60. And that guarantees that over the next year, they're going to keep putting out new content or quote unquote new content, which is actually just the rest of the game. Um, and they're going to give that to you if you buy the season pass. Otherwise you could, you know, you could play the game that you bought for $60, but it's not complete and you know you're you're they're capitalizing on this this thing that is normal for for kids which is you get the thing and then you pay to get the full thing later you know more money um in order to play to have the full experience and that just like blew my mind that that model had like creeped into mainstream sort of titles like like huge titles you know that they can get away with that because when i was growing up you would go to the store and you would buy goldeneye and you would have the game and you would put it in your nintendo 64 and that was the game there was no updates there were no you know uh, expansion packs or i mean f- for a pc that eventually became a thing but there was n- you know nothing that you didn't have you know you could play the game to its, its full extent and one of the major problems with um, these AAA titles that are coming out, like uh, I'm trying to think of the the series off the top of my head, and I'm I'm like really bad at it. Uh, it's like the the thief, and you like run around, and you have like uh, Assassin's Creed. That's what it is. Assassin's Creed. I'm gonna get flack for that. So Assassin's Creed uh, like put out one of their games recently, like last year, and it was so buggy. When they released it, that people, you know, like they they wouldn't even allow journalists to publish reviews of the game before launch day because they knew that it was buggy. And so they like put this embargo on the on the game so that it couldn't even be reviewed. And then when it comes out, you know, all these reviews come out and they're like, yeah, it's really like buggy. So don't buy it until they patch it. But by then, you know, all these copies had sold and people were really upset. But it was just a thing where it was like, yeah, we're a huge studio. We have deadlines to meet. And so we're going to put out this unfinished product, essentially, knowing that it's going to be possible for us to patch the game later and like essentially finish it after we've already sold all of these copies. And I'm just like really baffled that consumers of things uh, are allowing this kind of behavior to exist from the mediums that we uh, consume, right? And I'm really worried that um, that kind of model, that that kind of like um, pay-to-play mentality is going to creep over into other mediums. I mean, you can already see it happening, right? So this past week, um, all these trailers for summer movies are coming out, and this is something that I talk about all the time on the show. So I apologize if I, if I, you know, sound like a broken record, but I am really sick of the um, 
the trailer for the trailer for the trailer for the trailer for the movie that is actually just a kind of a trailer for the next movie kind of thing. And superhero movies are the most, and, and genre movies in general are kind of the most egregious offenders when it comes to this kind of stuff currently. Um, so this past week, you had Star Wars uh, trailer come out. You had the Batman versus Superman trailer come out, and uh, all this hype generating, and you know the machine is getting fed, and Age of Ultron comes out next week, and blah blah blah. But anyway, so the, all of these studios are like competing to try and do each other up, right? Which is like, are you gonna leak the trailer accidentally, like quote unquote accidentally, which happened, you know, and and uh, are you gonna? Um, just surprise everybody are you gonna have a whole press conference in order to like release this trailer and talk about your movies and stuff and one of the the craziest thing i think and i i if you follow me on twitter you saw i kind of like ranted about this a little bit um the craziest thing was the batman versus superman trailer or batman v superman dong of justin and um what they announced was that they were going to release the trailer in IMAX theaters and you had to get a ticket to go to the theater to like you pay money to see a trailer and they like tried to sell it as this experience or whatever but it was like you know 15 minutes of stuff which is like essentially behind the scenes it turns out behind the scenes stuff they're talking about the concept of the movie and they show you this minute and a half or two minutes of uh, trailer footage, which leaked online, you know, several days before the actual event. So I'm not really sure how that worked out for them as far as like ticket sales and stuff, if that had an impact, I'm sure that it did, but they're like trying to sell tickets, not to the movie, but to the, the trailer for the movie now. And like, granted they're giving out like, like posters and stuff. You can get a poster when you come in and it's like, well, but this is like getting way out of hand we're we've created a machine that's no longer about the product the 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 end result of like like i don't doubt that there are real people who really care about art that are involved in some of these movies you know like crazy enough you know you can look at ben affleck and as much as you can make fun of, of ben affleck for his past films you can look at something like argo and say like hey this is actually like he actually cares about things that like are for improving the medium of film and storytelling and and it's evident in in some of the things that he works on. And so I don't doubt that there are more people like that that are involved in these huge like AAA blockbuster title, you know, franchises whatever. But the problem is the machine has taken all the soul out of that kind of thing and they've made it not about the end product which is the movie they made it about everything before the movie and everything after the movie right so it's not even about the movie anymore it's about how many tickets can we sell to the trailer for the movie and that'll be what we base our success on, you know. And and then it's like, how many sequels can we make out of this movie? And it's the same thing that I see, you know, it's the, the video game thing. I said, you know, this kind of all ties together. It's the video game thing where they're like, how can we make a thing that will make us money? It doesn't appear on the surface to be a money-making thing. Like, like yeah, we want to make a good movie for the fans, right? We want to make a good superhero movie because... That's what we care about, and and the the reality is that they don't actually care about that. They care about how much money they can make and how much like money they can guarantee. Because it's not even about 
really making the money because they want they want to like make it a zero risk um, effort, which is you know why you have so many genre films coming out because right now that's that's proven in the box office to be the draw, and that's why you don't have any uh, original content coming out of of Hollywood. It's just all uh, brands and franchises. We even have a Tetris movie coming out. Like, did anybody stop and ask anyone else? Like, hey, do do you want a Tetris movie? Because I guarantee you that any sane person, you could ask, you could stop and ask anyone on the street, like, hey, are you interested in a Tetris movie? And they would say no. Like, what the, what are we doing? You know, um, it's just getting to a point where it's crazy. The video game thing, I'm, I'm going to tie it back. So this mentality of how can we milk a thing for everything that it's worth? It doesn't become about creating a good experience or a healthy experience like some of the games that we grew up on, like Mario or Donkey Kong. You know, those things that were like complete packages. I just watched this great movie on uh, the video game E.T. that came out on the Atari that's like widely regarded as... Um, the worst video game ever. In fact, there was a, a landfill in New Mexico that was like allegedly um, full of these games because they were they were they made so many copies and it failed so miserably that they filled this land uh, landfill with these these video games. And so the documentary um, is on it's on Netflix. You guys should watch it. Um, it just talks about the kind of the history of Atari and how game changing all this stuff was for the time and and these guys they're interviewing these guys who who were making these games and they're it's just like you can see that they really cared about the things that they were putting out there like yeah we wanted to make no one was doing what we were doing and we were creating these these new things that were like it was like changing the world essentially it was changing entertainment for the for the whole world and they, they really cared about delivering really cool and innovative things and then all of a sudden, this 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 game flops, right? And it almost it almost destroys um, not not just this game, but but the industry kind of implodes on itself, and it almost disappears. And it's because, and you can look at it, and and they don't say this, but they're what happened was there was this game, this the so the ET movie comes out. And then the movie studio says to Atari, they say, we want an E.T. video game. We want this guy to do it because he's done so many great games for Atari. And we want it done in five weeks. Can you get it done? <laughs> and they said, yes, we can totally do it in five weeks. And that's like, if you know anything about programming or, or anything, even, even if you don't, five weeks is not a long time to do anything creatively. It's definitely not long enough to build a video game from scratch, right? And the this creator um, is like designing it, and he has these really cool visions for how the game is going to work. And it's like he's like implementing new um, ways to experience the virtual world, you know. And you like fall down pits, and it turns out that because they were so intent on rushing the product and getting this thing out and and getting the money from the the property that it ended up failing and, and almost imploding the entire video game industry 
And I think that something like that, we can look at that and see that as a warning for the major industries. And I think that that's why I'm so drawn to people who are doing these things themselves and you know, moving outside of the system and just kind of doing the things that they need to do. Because when I look at people that are doing those things, I see hope for these mediums, right? For film, for um, gaming, even for music. And, you know, maybe you're going to fall flat on your face and you're going to fail, but it's better to fail at the thing that you're trying to do that will actually be focused on the thing, you know, focused on the actual film and the, the story that you're trying to tell. It's better to fail at trying to tell those stories than it is to fail at selling tickets to the trailer to your movie in, in an IMAX thing because that kind of stuff is going to ruin the industry. If people are failing... Because, you know, maybe their their story wasn't polished enough. That's a learning experience. And that's something that you can, like, grow from, you know. And, like, I just don't see the hype machine being something that you can, like, learn from and grow from. I don't know. It's just, it, it's really worrisome to me. And so I, I want to, if you if you're out there and you're, like, making things or you have this aspiration to make things and and you want to like actually focus on the thing that you're making instead of the machine that like hypes the thing up and like focuses on the branding and the the continuation of the thing i think it's so important that you just narrow your focus into the story that you're trying to tell or the thing that you're trying to engage the people that you're making your your art for and just focus on that and get it done. You know, you don't need to worry about what's next. You don't need to worry about promoting it. You just need to do the thing. Maybe that's naive of me, but I think that if we focused on doing things that way, we would be in a much better place. And I hope that, you know, the major industry um, will learn from that as well. And, and, you know, maybe it'll take an implosion of the film industry may, you know, maybe it'll take people being like, I'm not going to go see another Avengers movie, or I'm not going to go see another justice league movie. You know, I'm just, I'm over that. And you're just rehashing the same old things. I want to see something new and I want to see something fresh. And in that moment, if you've been working on those things, that's when you can step up and say, Hey, look, I have something that is real and it's from my heart and it's not about the hype it's just a thing that I made and maybe you'll like it. You know, that's, uh, maybe, maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. Maybe that's not how things are going to go at all. Maybe we'll just uh, have as many superheroes as we can handle. And we're just going to, that's the only kind of movie that is ever going to exist from here on out is just superhero movies. And we'll have Iron Man 74 and, you know, we'll all die and there will only be superhero things and Call of Duty and um trap music <laughs> uh i don't know if you guys want to comment on this you can uh great ways to get in touch with me are at twitter my handle's at david mantel uh, or you can send me an email at brokenlightrecords at gmail.com um those are good ways to uh to talk i, I love talking with you guys about the things on the show and the people on the show and if you have suggestions for people i should talk to i love hearing those things too you know putting me in contact with people if you at 
um, tweet at both of us, uh, you know, there's a good chance that I'll stock them down until they come on my show. That's how it usually works. So you can hit me up there. Uh, I've been working on the website for this show that is almost done. It should be launching in probably, I don't want to, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but it's like, I can see the end of the tunnel. There's just a couple more things that I have to do. And then we'll all be able to go onto the website and there'll be so many cool things. I can't wait to share it with you guys. It's going to be a lot more than just, you know, a website that you type in and you can listen to the podcast. There's a lot going on and uh, I'm really excited to share that with you guys. So stay tuned. I, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but um, we will be talking about it soon. I did get confirmation. I talked about it a couple weeks ago. Uh, there is going to be a giveaway coming up and I got confirmation that the thing that I'm waiting for in the mail has been shipped. So probably in two episodes, I'm going to announce what it is. But the contest, the giveaway revolves around um, giving something really cool away to one or two of you I haven't decided uh, based on people who have reviewed this show on iTunes. So what you can do to get ahead of the curve is head over to iTunes and search Broken Light Show. You can leave a review of the show. You can like put a number of stars and then say some nice things about the show. You do that, you're going to be in the running for uh, this thing that I'm giving away, and I'm really excited. You're going to like it. If you listen to the show, it'll it'll be relevant to your life, I think. Um, so check that out iTunes, Broken Light Show, leave a comment, a review of the show. You can also listen to all of our back episodes there. Actually, that's not true. You can listen to up to 20 of our back episodes right now. iTunes is cutting me off at 20 episodes for some reason, and uh, that will be fixed as soon as we migrate over to the new site. So it won't be like that for, for long, so you'll be able to get back to those early episodes of the show if that's something that you're into. Um, but yeah, make sure you take a look at the other things that are going on there. We're going to talk to Kevin Schlereth in just a second. I'm going to play you a clip from his album, Legend, and you're going to like it. We'll be right back. introduce yourself for the people there are there are no people that listen to this show that don't know who you are but <laughs> in the, the um weird you know circumstances that someone stumbles upon this and doesn't know who kevin schlereth is um 
Why don't you tell them what you're all about, man? Yeah, so um, I'm Kevin Schlereth, and uh, I'm a perma-touring post-folk musician, sort of from Missouri, but mostly from my car. Um, <laughs> I just kind of came up with the post-folk thing recently for myself. I don't know if it's really a thing or not, um, but it's really hard to describe your own music, or any music for that matter. Sure. So yeah, me and my me and my wife and our two kids uh, basically live in the car and play about two hundred seventy five uh, shows a year, most of them house shows. And you've been doing that for how long? Uh, for the last four years, uh, you know, uninterrupted by living somewhere. Um, I've been a touring musician for yeah at least ten years. Yeah, that um, that sounds crazy to a lot of people, and I know <laughs> it like doesn't phase you anymore. Yeah. But most people are like, "Wait, did he say two hundred and seventy-five shows?" Yeah, it, that's pretty interesting. That's one of the things you lose, I guess, is a an awareness of what is actually interesting to you know, a regular person, <laughs> because for me, it's just like another day of life. Um, just like, you know, whatever, I mean, you have a really, you have a life that I think is pretty interesting. Um, so I don't know, whatever if person X in their mundane life, um, you know, my life probably feels very similar, um, in a kind of hard to understand way. Yeah. I mean, when you've been doing the thing for so long, yeah becomes the new normal i guess sure even if to the the onlookers they're like that is uh, an intense life that is being lived yeah so what uh you you've been playing for like for 10 years you said what what got you into like playing in the first place this the stuff that you do you said like post post folk sure well i mean it's been a journey musically um you know i started out like probably everyone playing the heaviest brand of music that I could imagine playing um, because that felt really good. Uh, and then I don't know that that ever stopped feeling good as much as uh, other people stopped wanting to tour. Um, and so, you know, four piece became a two piece and eventually became just me. And, um, and yeah, then I started at some point I wrote songs that had a little less screaming in them and um, here we are. <laughs> um, so this, the, the musical side of it's kind of, you know, mo mostly a product of kind of the people I was in musical relationship with. Um, but as far as just like playing music at all, um, and not to weird out your listeners too much, but, um, <laughs> Uh, like for me, it's like a, it is a faith thing. Um, I was, you know, a high school kid that didn't know how to play any music at all. Um, kind of had an experience with Jesus and then sort of just had this understanding that music was something that I needed to do. Uh, and so I thought it was important to go ahead and learn how to play the guitar. Um, but I, I mean, it sounds crazy just to, to hear myself say it, but that's kind of how that started. So, yeah. Um, but it's good. I mean, that, having that 
um, sort of entry point, um, I think kind of helps sustain what I do in that, like, um, you know, I think a lot of people are playing music and they're not really sure why, you know, maybe they're like chasing a dream or something like that. And they realize that, uh, it's kind of a crappy dream. Um, and then they kind of just get a new dream. Um, and so I think I kind of attribute my, um, touring longevity to, to that sort of abnormal point of entry. Yeah. And it's like bigger than, bigger than yourself. Yeah. 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 So then you start to, you have this, this, uh, mystical experience and you start, <laughs> uh, you learn how to play guitar magically as, as yes. well. And then you fast forward. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You are horrible for X number of years, and then um, at some point, the consensus is I am less horrible than I was. So that's right. good. But it's good though that you started with like metal or like hardcore because you just throw a lot of distortion on something. And yeah, it's fine. You can just do whatever you want. Yeah, I mean the the <laughs> depths of my musical ignorance when I started playing are pretty um, substantial. I, I didn't know how to tune a guitar, so I generally just like I would just write songs on one string because you know you could play a consistent melody, um, and then eventually I, you know gain some new skills. Nice. Um, but yeah, you know the the I don't know being self-taught is is an interesting world to live in musically anyway. Um, and, but I'm really thankful for that i think it part of what makes my music compelling if it is compelling is the sort of originality of composition on guitar or whatever and i think that's has a lot to do with being self-taught sure yeah you definitely have a, a unique style of, of doing your thing I sure think it stands out. um so you where where are you during this point in your musical adolescence i always uh had a a drive to write a song you know more than to be a musician uh, i kind of consider myself a, a writer and sort of song is like the acceptable medium for for word um in our society i think you know there are obviously people that are writing um but in terms of prose and poetry, like I feel like this is the this is kind of the best avenue for that. Um, and so, anyway, I, I'm writing because you know writing is something that is important to me. Um, yeah, and then there's you know got into a band with some guys that knew a little bit more than me, um, but not so much more than me that they you know refused to play with me. <laughs> Um, yeah, and then just did the regular high school band stuff, you know, get, we were from a small town. We probably thought we were better than we were because of lack of competition. Um, and, but, you know, all, all these little sort of pegs along the way kind of, um, you know, keep, keep you going. Um, and then eventually, yeah, you I kind of get to this point where it's like, yeah, this is what I do now. I kind of get it. Like even um, 
as much as I love to write, I never wanted to be the singer of a band. Um, I really didn't. <laughs> I really didn't want to be in a band because I really didn't want anyone to look at me, you know, or acknowledge that I existed. Like I'd much rather not be seen or heard. Um, so it was a weird thing to feel propelled into this musical world. But um, I ended up singing in our band because you know we like lost our singer um and kind of we're in this weird i remember we had this band meeting because we had a guy that we were our friend you know we never played with real musicians only friends (laughs) and um (laughs) our friend we were going to teach him bass because we needed a bass player um and he was and is probably the better singer of the two of us, but he also, we needed a bass player. And so we didn't think he could do both things like learn bass and sing. Um, so it's kind of like I became the, the de facto singer, probably against everyone's wishes, <laughs> including my own, <laughs> but you know, and eventually, um, you know, similar to the guitar, I think I got to the point where I wasn't, the sounds coming from my mouth weren't just offensive to me. Um, and yeah, and that just keeps you going. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's good. If you can move beyond the offensive point to the point where it's like, I can listen to this and yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah. Not that, I mean, and maybe I'll never get past that point. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know that's all, all of us. It's all of our stories. Yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, for me, music is an avenue for, like, sharing ideas. Um, And as such, it's sort of like the prerequisite, like, musical ability is just um, good enough not to end the conversation. You know, like, um, if the music is good enough and interesting enough to um, kind of facilitate people's interests, then that, that's sort of going beyond that. Um, for me personally, almost just feels like, I don't know, an, an exercise in like self-absorption hmm. um, because really my sort of stated purpose is to, is to connect with people. Um, and, you know, at a certain point, well, I mean, we all have those musicians that, like, they're so good that you don't feel like you could talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, so there's, like, this dilemma because you want to be good, but I don't want to be that good. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's all dumb and weird, but that's, um, yeah, kind of my perspective. So. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So... Let's fast forward then a little bit. So you get out of your metal phase and you start playing shows by yourself. Like- yeah. Well, first, yeah, first there was the the two man acoustic project. Right. Basically, yeah, drummer and bassist quit to have lives. Um, you know, kudos to them. <laughs> and um, me and the other guitarist are like, well, we didn't want to quit. Um, but you know, we had the songs we had, so we uh, just kind of just decided that we just play them acoustic. Um, 
Which was really cool. Um, I mean, maybe it was completely uncool, but it was cool to me um, because it's kind of a neat story in my mind because we were kind of ready to hang it up because um, we at first thought if you played acoustic, you had to not scream, which meant we couldn't really play any of our songs. Um, and we were playing at this pretty small festival in like a, in rural Iowa. Um, and a guy that had seen us in the in the full band days was like, "Oh, you need to play this that gorillas song." We had a song that had gorillas in the title. He's <laughs> okay. like, "You need to play that gorillas song," and we're like, "Oh yeah, we don't do that, you know. Like we we play this other soft acoustic music now." And um, he's like, "Oh no, you really need to." So we kind of go off into the field and and learn how to play this song because this guy wanted to hear it, and it was like really empowering um to play our old you know screaming music um on the acoustic guitars and that sort of rejuvenated the whole thing for us and we decided that's what we were and we did that for you know a couple years um and that's where we first really you know the very first you know nine month tour was in that phase um where we were i would say we were professional musicians um for better or for worse um yeah and so then that went on for a few years until again that guy got tired of playing or touring um and then it was just me and then yeah that was awkward um (laughs) seeing as how i was always and still am pretty uh, you know reluctant um, as a musician to, to be there in that position, um, being a solo musician just seemed like the worst thing ever. Um, and my, my friend kind of dropped out mid tour, um, when, when he exited the group. And so I finished that tour kind of as half of the band, like, Hey, here's Kevin from this and such band. Um, and that was really weird. Uh, and, and again, kind of left me with a pretty sour feeling about the whole thing. And ultimately that kind of led to a, a, a hiatus that lasted for a couple of years. And then I was like, wait a second, you know what? I think this is what I want to be as a solo musician. Um, and then that's sort of what started this perma tour off kind of getting to find my identity as a, as a solo artist. Um, cause you know, like I, I feel pretty strongly about a couple things. Um, you know, the world doesn't need another blogger and the world doesn't need another singer songwriter. Um, there, you know, there's just infinitely many of those. Um, and yet, you know, there I was. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it took a while to sort of embrace, um, that I could be someone that was, sort of doing that uh, but in a way that didn't feel just so redundant um and yeah no offense to anyone that is a singer songwriter you're probably really talented which makes you less redundant than i am as a singer songwriter (laughs) (laughs) great well let's just call it there and you know (laughs) (laughs) um no, that's cool. I mean, that's 
it's really interesting that you're so aware of the fact that, or like, like averse to the things that were happening to you, but still like, yeah, but I still like want to and need to do this thing. It's a really interesting dichotomy that's going on. Yeah, it's it's weird to yeah, kind of step back and think about it that in that sort of kind of just with that much intentionality about the thought, it's yeah, just kind of you're there's not much other than to look at it and say, you know, this is all pretty bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> and here you are. Yeah, just now we do this all the time. Um, which I mean, the payoff is is amazing. Um, I think um, if I would have known when I started that this was sort of like the destination, um, I would have been, you know, pretty excited about it, um, which is cool. Um, you know, there's this constant question of like, well, what's the goal? What do you what do you what do you aim in for? It's like, well. I think I, nothing really. <laughs> I, I like I like what we're doing right now, um, and I don't have any ambition. That's a cool place to be. I mean, yeah, you're, like, you're just like I'm happy doing the thing that I'm doing. Yeah, it's funny. We we used to joke that we became that we you know formed a band to see cool shows for free, <laughs> uh, and you know I, I I think there's a lot more purpose in it, but. I, but it is like one of the really cool things about, um, you know, what, what I do. And then now to be at the point where, um, to a certain extent, I get to kind of pick and choose some of the people that I'm, you know, seeing play every night, um, you know, going on tour with other bands and stuff like that. It's pretty fantastic. Um, you know, we have a run coming up with families, um, from your homelands, um, yeah. And like you know, they are just my favorite band. Like no um extra words necessary. They are just my favorite band. And I get to you know see them like six nights in a row. That's pretty cool. Um and yeah. Although I did decide that I maybe should get a little more famous. Um because you know they announced this great show um september 25th down in tempe with a uh, brand new jimmy world and thrice and some other bands um no offense to those other bands but um <laughs> other bands that kevin doesn't care about <laughs> yeah yeah uh some other bands who cares um and it occurred to me that you know to be true to my my cause of you know playing with awesome bands and whatnot like I should probably be famous enough that I'm playing some shows with brand new. So I don't know, maybe, you know, if the, if this podcast is, maybe it'll just be the thing to get me there. Um, if you guys listening have some connection with brand new and want to get me on a show, I accept. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've listened to brand new, so yeah, I mean, they know. are quite excellent. <laughs> uh, I mean, great things do happen to people who come on the show. So, I mean, I don't want yeah. to get hopes up or anything. <laughs> But well, yeah, this is so what I'm what I'm doing. I'm putting myself out there more now because I thought I was as famous as I wanted to be, um, but then I remembered brand new. Um, so I don't know why you're leaving Jimmy World out of that. I mean, yeah, I mean, no, Jimmy World is 
actually my second favorite band. Um, Families. Yeah, so I don't know why I'm. Yeah, Families, Jimmy Eat World. Uh, I have to think about it more beyond that. Brand New is pretty close on the list, uh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess, though, in my mind, Brand New actually is a believable show. <laughs> not not believable in that in fame level, but believable sonically. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah, if I were tasked with opening for Jimmy Eat World, I would feel like I wouldn't know what I was supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I feel like you've done it enough to figure it out. That is true. <laughs> Just muscle memory. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, the other thing that that people are probably scratching their head out while we're talking about this is that so you're now you're uh, you made it to the point where you're touring all the time, like crazy all the time, um, out of this uh, sort of obligation to yourself. Uh, <laughs> to keep, keep uh, going to nice shows for no sure. money. Um, yeah. But you're doing it with a family as well. Um, and I know <laughs> I've heard people when they meet you uh, will be like, wait, he has, like, why are his, how is he doing that? <laughs> bringing his kids places and his wife? Like, they must hate that. Like, well, <laughs> I mean, you got to meet him, you know? Yeah. But how did that uh. happen? Yeah, I mean, I, we wouldn't really have it any other way. Um, you, you know, when I was early in my marriage, I toured without my wife along. Um, you know, she was just back home making all the money. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that, that honestly wasn't so bothersome to me because I felt like we could have a meaningful um, relationship through technology, you know, a long-distance relationship. Um, but when we had kids, um, even when it actually started when, when my wife was pregnant, um, you know, here is my child and yet I have no, you know, on the road, I have no ability to, to connect with that child. Um, and, and I just, yeah, that's not, that's not me. <laughs> um, I, I, I would not sign up for that. And so that kind of was the, you know, was a big change. But then, um, you know, I think an important piece of us being on the road is that you know, my wife and I both um, kind of see our mutual uh, and individual purpose in it. Um, so, like, it's not. Uh, you know, we like have a, a lot of people that, that care about us. Um, and a lot of people that mean pretty mean well. Um, but there's, you know, sometimes you'll get a pretty confused statement like, um, oh, like your wife is so great, you know, letting you live out your dream. And, you know, that's like so, so great of her to I'll let you do that. Um, when in actuality, you know, my dream is to sit around and play video games. Um, <laughs> um, but like, this is our, like, this is our life and we're, it's both of our lives and it's important to both of us. And, um, neither of us is letting the other do it. Um, we both, you know, feel strongly compelled to do it. Um, and so it's a little trickier with the kids, right? Because who knows what they really want. 
Um, but uh, they they seem happy. They don't really know any other life, so it's hard to to like make a comparison, you know. Sure. Um, I'm sure they will either grow up thinking that they had the most awesome or least awesome life, um, as does uh, every child. So, yeah, it'll work out. Yeah, so it's 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 great though, and um, we. You know, this this year we've had some some unique challenges with um, stuff going on with my wife's uh, family that she's been away caring for her grandparents and stuff like that, um, and so we've been you know apart a lot. Um, but it sort of occurred to me we were talking about it once, and like you know, average Joe and and average Jane, you know, they. Maybe they you know have regular lives and live together and whatever, um, but you know just the amount of time that you're apart from each other each week at work, um, it's like incredible. You know, I mean that's just like it's like two months out of the year that you're you're working, um, like two months of hours consecutively. Yeah. Um, and so like we're apart for two weeks and we're like, this is tough, <laughs> but, um, you know, our, our reality is that we're kind of always together and that's pretty great. Um, and so, so yeah, I think we all love it a lot and are very thankful that it's like that we're able to do that. Uh, I know a lot of bands, um, sort of, either end with a marriage or, you know, involve families being back at home. Um, and that's gotta be, that's the thing that I think is crazy and hard. Like, um, I think, I think my life's great and easy. <laughs> you like homeschool kids too, right? They're not just yeah. Like yeah. So, um, yeah. For, so most people probably, don't know this, but um, I, you know, my my professional background is in education, um, and so like, and specifically elementary education. Mm. Um, so like, homeschooling is something that is is really fun uh, for me, and and also like kind of gives me that taste of whatever it is that I'm, you know, quote unquote, giving up by being on the road. Um, so it's kind of a, a neat little opportunity to kind of have it all. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's sometimes hard um, <laughs> to make all the hours in the day for, um, for their schooling, but also we have a lot of unique opportunities that other people wouldn't have. Um, you know, one of my <laughs> uh, sort of biggest kind of like, um, Epiphanies was thinking about you know your kind of your average family that works fifty one weeks out of the year and saves up their money and takes that week vacation and they go to like Yellowstone or something like that and you know like stress out on the whole trip because they got to make it count and you know you're you're trying to do it all and it's like you you worked an entire year for this trip and we're just like oh Yellowstone's over there you want to go. Sure. Okay, cool. And, you know, it, like, costs us nothing because we're just 
passing by. Um, and like, so that's, that really <laughs> was something that I kind of think about and say, wow, you know, that's, that's pretty special. Um, and pretty special for their schooling too. And the way that it's, uh, you know, it's a pretty sweet field trip. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Well, speaking as a product of, uh, homeschooling myself, I think, uh, it's, it's not something that, uh, like normal people are like, it's, they're like averse to, you know, they're like, yeah. oh man, that's homeschooling is kind of weird, especially like people our age, you know, with kids sure. are like, what are you doing? What? Like, you're not doing it right. That's not how it's supposed to be. But I, I sure. feel like I turned out okay. I knew some of those kids that didn't turn out okay. Right. I feel yeah. Fun, but <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, my perception of homeschooling before I went on tour um, was pretty negative. You know, like definitely the kids with the stonewashed jeans and the, you know, matching neon green shirts and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so you've got like that strand of just like awkwardness. And then like the other strand of, of complete like religious isolationism um yeah and this is basically yeah where it's like yeah everything is a you know the the devil's in the public school and we got to keep you away from that um like and so that was kind of my idea of what homeschooling was um i would would have been pretty firm and never going to do that camp but you know going on tour meeting all these kids that were homeschooled and are like really cool <laughs> and really happy um it definitely like kind of relieved my anxiety about it um to the point where like we still don't consider ourselves like homeschooling parents you know we have no other choice right now <laughs> um we you know so we feel like we've never been actually forced to make the decision we're just sort of homeschooling out of obligation Sure. And and there's just not anything else we could do right now. Um, if ever there were a time where we had the choice, it would be an interesting decision to make. Uh, but I feel like we've um, grown to understand homeschooling a, a lot more over the last few years. And um, I, I definitely see it as a more realistic uh, path than, I, than ever before. You just put out a record this year um, yeah coincided with a release of another band that we talked about which is pretty cool um, yeah why don't we talk about that the record a little bit yeah sure uh, it's called legend um and it is not about me being a legend um <laughs> as i don't think i thought it through all the way when i decided to name an album legend um because there's been quite a bit of confusion about that. And I actually just saw a, a flyer for a show that I'm doing at the end of May. Um, and like, you know, it's like a multi, it's like a, a one day fest kind of thing. So the other bands, it's like such and such band. And like, here's their like accolade or whatever, you know, appeared at this thing or this and such thing about this band. And for me, it's this Kevin Schler legend. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
I'm like, oh no, what did I do? <laughs> um, but no, I'm like really uh, excited about the record. It, um, it's you know for people that are familiar with my my work as a solo artist, um, you know my my previous record, Don't Die, um, Please Stop Dying. Um, you know, it had a certain flavor about it, kind of that uh, a very acoustic feeling album. Um, and this album was a, was a real departure from that, uh, moving into more of a full band sound on the recording with a lot of uh, like ambient electric guitar and, you know, a drum set and stuff like that. Um, and so it was, it was pretty interesting, like, um, and kind of, it, it's a question that's still kind of open in my mind, like as a solo artist, um, what, what do I want my records to, to be like? Sure. Um, and so this was just kind of an experiment, like, okay, I, I want to make a record that sounds like this. Um, let's do that. Um, and yeah, I don't know, you know, I don't think of myself as like a public figure. So, I don't think about whether I'm going to disappoint the base, you know, <laughs> like um, I just have the luxury of doing what I feel like doing. And then, you know, maybe someone will like it and maybe they'll feel really um, let down by it being different. I don't really know. Um, but yeah, it was, it's, it was a fun record to make. Um, and and uh, yeah, it's been fun to, to tour on as well. I'm still kind of feeling feeling out what the you know the post legend release kevin schler show looks like yeah. um in terms of like song selection and things like that uh but it's been good and um it's been it's felt pretty well received just cool uh you, every time you do something you're kind of putting yourself out there and taking a risk and uh it's it's nice when people say you know give you the attaboy <laughs> okay there's a, um, of, a collaboration on the album too with other like yeah 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 and that's something that that is a consistent point um between the two records um you know my my friend brad uh pooler he has a company called transit audio um he's had a a vision to to run a mobile um, recording studio out of his um sort of refurbished tour bus and um it's got this really cool vision about uh you know like moving away from the 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 stuffiness and sort of homogenous nature of like studio recording um into something a little uh maintain the quality but but bringing back a little bit more um you know uniqueness to the band um when it comes to recording an album and comfort for the band you know like uh, so he wants to come on site and record you where you are and where you're comfortable and um, capture some sort of native sounds. And, and I think that's just great. And he's, you know, very professional and very skillful. Um, and yeah, so we, so he worked on both records and um, this time around we, you know, got to work with, with, we, we recorded in Oregon. Um, so Brad flew out um his his bus is not quite a reality just yet. Um, he's working on that like every day. But he flew out and we we tracked uh, you know the, the you know the skeletal parts of the album out there um, just in a few days. 
and uh, I got to work with uh, Adam Heinrichson on the drums on this album. And he's a, a good friend that uh, it's not playing in a lot of bands these days, but he's um, just a really cool guy. And uh, he, he kind of has a background um, that was you know, semi-progressive musically. Um, so it's just kind of cool to bring that um, that element to the, the session. Um, one of the things that I feel pretty strongly about when it comes to recording lately, at least, is that um, I want the people that I work with to put themselves on the record. Um, you know, like, there's certainly things that are pretty compositionally mapped out, but there's also things that, um, you know, there's kind of more of just a directorial, like, here's the feel, now do you. Um, and and that's just really exciting, especially for someone that is, like, almost, un, you know, involuntarily a solo musician. You know, like, the, the worst part about not being in a band is missing that collaboration piece. Um, and so here I get to sort of um, have that in the recording. Uh, so that's nice. We... We did we did that tracking out there and then um, yeah and then some good friends put some more stuff on it in Nashville for me and uh, yeah at the end of the day we ended up with something pretty fun. <laughs> cool man, where can uh, where can people go to check that out? And yeah, um, right now the only place to find uh, Legend is you know at at the show or um, at kevinschlereth.bandcamp.com. Um, and pay what you feel in both places. Yeah. And uh, where else can people go to keep up with you and stuff and maybe see uh, your dates and stuff? Yeah, about that. Um, <laughs> so, like, I know real musicians, they, like, tell people when they're playing and stuff like that. Um, I intend to start doing that again um, sometime. <laughs> but it's certainly been a part of my game that I've kind of let slip this past uh few months um but yeah we're reworking uh, kevin com right now um that might be live in a more meaningful way uh sometime soon there's always facebook and things like that i'm pretty much dominate the google search for kevin Schlereth. um you know if you if you search kevin Schlereth, you'll pretty much just find me um and then you're yeah you just kind of go with that and i don't know what my twitter handle is but i'm sure it involves kevin shalareth um there may be a period in there somewhere there may not be um so yeah sorry about that those of you that are really interested in those things um yeah it's not my forte <laughs> I'm going to put this online tomorrow. So w uh, what are some dates that you have coming up that you're playing? Oh, yeah. Well, we're uh, doing a, a run with, with families uh, for the five days starting on Friday. Um, we'll be in Racine on the well, it's Friday, the 24th. Um, so we're doing Racine and then a couple days in South Bend, and then we'll be in um, – Detroit-ish Michigan and then East Lansing, Michigan. Um, and all of those dates are uh, able to be accessed um, through our face, either of our Facebook pages. Uh, 
and yeah, and beyond that, I'm heading up to the Northeast. So, um, yeah. Thanks to Kevin for coming on the show. Uh, like we were talking about, if you guys are in the Midwest area, uh, Wisconsin, Indiana, and Michigan, this weekend, uh, you can go and check out Kevin Schlereth and families. You can go to kevinschlereth.com or Kevin Schlereth at Facebook. It's S-C-H-L-E-R-E-T-H, Schlereth, uh, which it should just bring up Kevin. Uh, or you can go to facebook.com slash families band and see the dates and see if you can make it. If you can't, uh, he's on tour all the time and probably near you at some point. Um, so just, you know, ask around people know, people know what's up. If you guys like this episode, uh, well, great. Thank you. Uh, you can go on to iTunes and leave a review. We have a giveaway coming up, um, for you. Uh, so if you leave a review now, you're in the running for the giveaway later, uh, which is cool. It's going to be something really awesome. I'm going to talk about it in a couple weeks um, because I know that it's in the mail right now. And that means that when I have it, you will know and then I can send it to you uh, if you're the winner of the contest. So if you want to uh, be updated on that, you're going to want to subscribe to the show um, so you can hear what's going on in the future. You can also check up on our past episodes. There's like 20 episodes up there right now. And soon you'll be able to access all the old uh, episodes that are getting cut off by iTunes because I'm going to move all of them to a new website and it's going to be awesome. If you want to uh, hit me up on Twitter, you can do that at David Mantel or you can email me at brokenlightrecords at gmail.com. It's going to be a great time. Um, if you have any questions about the things that we talked about today or other episodes or maybe future episodes, maybe you have suggestions for guests or whatever, um, you know, I, I would love to hear it. Or maybe even talk about topics, you know, I want to hear what you guys are talking about so that I can talk about that as well. And, you know, join in the conversation because that's, that's all that we want is to just have a conversation together. That's all I want. Anyway, you might want something else like French fries or something. Um, yeah. So anyway, we got new episodes coming every week for you, uh, and I'm going to be better about getting them out on time. Thank you for listening. If you guys uh, stick around, I guess I'll see you next week. <laughs>